The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hey everyone, welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. We really appreciate everyone for tuning in. If you do sense a lack of energy for me, it's not because I'm not excited to be here. I'm gobsmacked by what happened in the world on Tuesday. And before we get started, I just want to offer all of my love to anyone who is affected by this. And I think that's everyone. I love you all. Uh, Colin is enjoying a vacation or a holiday, whatever you want to call it. So I'm bringing a very special guest. We're going to talk about sports cards. And in particular, we're going to talk about sports card breaks. I figured the best way to do that would be someone who knows an awful lot about this stuff. As a breaker for Leighton Sports, please welcome Forrest from Leighton Sports to the show. Forrest, how's everything going? Chris, it's going well, man. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We have uh, gotten to know each other from uh, you guys taking all of my money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it has been uh, a lot of fun. Um, Forrest, how long bef- before we get started, how long have you been breaking cards now? Just about, I th- I'd say a year and a half. We'll put it a year and a half. A year and a half. So it's kind of an interesting time because uh, this industry, as you know, has just been growing like crazy. It yeah. is pretty insane what has happened. Can you just kind of speak about how much this industry has grown over the last couple of years? Yeah. And since I've only been doing it for a year and a half now, which is feels like a long time, feels like a short time. But sure. I kind of got into it at, at probably the height, maybe not quite the height, but pretty close. So all, all I know is mania, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, early 2021, we had that big peak where it seemed like every everything was just really, really high priced with single cards and, sure. and sealed boxes. But from what I've seen, breaking has become more mainstream. It's become more a part of the, the hobby on a day-to-day basis. Um, you've seen celebrities breaking cards. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's gotten pretty insane. Well, good for Drake for bringing attention to uh, <laughs> the industry, as we all expected him to do. Yeah. Uh, just my personal experience. It's funny. You know, I was super into cards when I was younger. And unfortunately, a lot of my stuff got destroyed, unfortunately, during a move, which is, you know, something that happened a lot. We didn't know how to protect these things like we do now. We'll kind of get into protecting them in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, the pandemic happened and, you know, on top of being terrified about what was happening in the world, I was also bored out of my mind. And I just so happened I went to an auction house and saw what people were doing. And then I was like, okay, memorabilia is really cool. And for those of you who are watching, you can see the Griffey jersey that I have in the back there. That's one of my favorite pieces of memorabilia. But 
I started looking up card breaks and I was fascinated by it. And I happened to find Layton through searching for best card group breaks. And it was one of the <laughs> first links that was on there. And I did a personal with Forrest. And it was the very first time I had bought any cards for it. And for those of you who are watching on Twitter, I bought a box of Top Sterling. And Top Sterling, that what I didn't know at the time, is only two cards. So when Forrest <laughs> starts opening this box and I see two cards for redacted price, I'm like, what have I done? What stupid thing have I done? Why have I done this? And the first card, I don't know if you remember this, Forrest. The first card you pulled me was a Ryan Sandberg 18 out of 25. And it was okay. autographed, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's fun. What, what have I done? Oh, my God, what have I done? Because <laughs> if, if another card like Ryan Sandberg 18 out of 25 comes out, I'm probably never breaking again, if I can be completely honest with you. But what did come out, and those of you who are watching the replay on YouTube or watching on Twitch, was this. And it is a one-of-one one cut auto of Jimmy Stewart. And I'm talking about Jimmy Stewart, the actor. Yep. And what's cool about cut autos is it's something that is usually taken from a personal correspondence or from their own thing. It's not them just signing an autograph. Obviously, it wasn't Jimmy Stewart just signing an autograph because Jimmy Stewart is no longer with us. So it is obviously something that has been connected. But I will always be very appreciative of Forrest for that card because uh, – you have to admit that's pretty darn cool, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty glad that uh, <laughs> that the Jimmy Stewart was in there along with uh, the Ryan Sandberg. The Ryan Sandberg. What, <laughs> nothing against Ryan Sandberg. It's just you know, for the price that you guys can look up how, what the price of Top Sterling it is. It's not a an everyday product, but yeah, I just had to show that off real quick because uh, right. I am very proud of that guy. Yeah, so I remember, I remember that pretty clearly. Yeah, yeah I, I still search for it on YouTube. All I have to do is hit. Awesome cut auto, and it's one of the first things that shows up on YouTube. It's pretty great. <laughs> so we've talked about how this thing, these cards have just kind of exploded. The price uh, for cards has gone crazy. The demand for cards has gone crazy. So a lot of people might be looking to get into this industry, and they might get a little intimidated by what an actual group break is. So I'm just wondering, Forrest, if you can kind of explain the difference between like what a team break is, what a random team break is, what a serial numbered break is. Kind of break that all down for us if you can. All right. So I'd say the, the most common would be a pick your team break, uh, which is fairly straightforward. Um, you pick your team. The only caveat is the prices vary because checklists vary. Right. So let's say I wanted to buy, uh, let's go with the Tampa Bay Rays. That's that's an easy one right now. So sure. in basically every new baseball release this year, uh, Wander Franco will have rookie cards, which makes them probably the most valuable team along with some others. Um, right. So yeah, that's, a, that's how pick your team works. So pick your team and you'll get whatever comes out of the case or the boxes uh, for that team. There are random team styles or random divisions, which um, before the break takes place, you will be put into a randomizer with all others in the break. Um, so the simplest way would be 30 baseball teams, 30 people in a break and you'll get a random team. You could end up with the Brewers. You could end up with the Rays. Um, there's also a random serial number, which you mentioned. So in the case, um, you brought up top Sterling earlier, so you can do random serial number and top Sterling because every single card that comes out, uh, will be serial numbered up to a certain, um, amount. So let's say for Sterling, for instance, everything is numbered to 25 or less. So instead of a team, you will get a number in the random. So you could end up with number eight, number nine, uh, 18, whatever it may be. And so you will, if say you end up with 18, you'll get anything that is numbered 18 out of 
uh, 25, 18 out of 20 in the break. So yeah, that's how the random serial number works. Uh, and then division would just be a random division for whatever sport you're in. Sure. Um, kind of talk about what the the benefits are of a pick your team compared to what a random team would be. So pick your team seems to be the most common. I think it's a little more of a controlled outcome, if you will. You kind of you know what you're looking for going into it. You know the budget you're spending, whereas the, the random teams is a little more risk reward factor involved. You could end up with, you know, the, the Patriots in a football break, or you could end up with a team like the Cleveland Browns, which um, wouldn't have a, a big rookie or right. a, a deeper checklist. So the pick your team seems to be the safest to do. It's also easier if you're just looking to collect a certain player or a certain team, which I think most people are breaking to do. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, I have found, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, Generally, a random team thing, it's uh, a little less expensive than you would be spending on a pick your team. Of course, pick, depending on your pick your team, because like you said, if you're doing the um, a team without a, I'm trying to think of who would be a, a team that has not a ton of desire in 2022 in baseball. Let's say uh, the Washington Nationals, even though there's, you know, Juan Soto, you're not going to probably right. get a, a great rookie. Um, that's probably going to cost you a lot less than what you would spend on a random team type thing. It's more with the random team, the risk reward, correct? Correct. Correct. Cool. Yeah. That's, um, that's one of the more interesting things I think I've gotten into with these breaking. I have to say that, uh, if you ever get the chance to do this type of stuff, the random division is my personal favorite just because you're getting, especially in baseball, it's a one in six chance of getting your hit. You know, there, there is right. a much better chance of you getting that hit. Now you're going to have to spend more money as well, but then you're getting five teams out of 30 in football. It's a little more risky because it's four out of 32, but you know, there are massive hits to go in football right now. What percentage do you think people who are doing breaks now are looking to collect versus looking to spend? I know you can't do an exact percentage of it, but right. just kind of the feel that you get from people who are doing this. It's hard to, like you said, it's hard to put a percentage on it. And I think it also depends on the product. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with higher end, you'll see more people trying to flip, but with maybe something that's more base heavy, like uh, let's say just, just tops flagship. I think you're just looking to collect. And I think maybe the majority use it as sort of both. You'll get into a random team break. And um, if you didn't get anything you particularly like, you, you might try and flip it and just buy no more breaks or use that towards more cards. It's sort of sure. like a, an all encompassing. I'll do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So. Have you seen that change at all recently? Because, you know, it, we are not at the high point of what the market is. You know, we are, you know, still at a high point. It's not low by any stretch of the imagination, but do you think there are more people now who are coming in to do more collecting now? Or do you think it's still, you know, I, I saw somebody compare cards to investment versus inventory. You know what I think? Do you, do you think it's more about, do you think it's less about the inventory now or is it just kind of the same? Um, man, that, that is a tough question to answer. I'm sorry. Yeah. You do, you do have a lot of people that look at cards as alternative investments. Um, mm-hmm. Not even just sports cards, you know, not on sports cards and other memorabilia. But you do have a lot of people that also want to collect. It enhances the fan experience overall. So I think everybody that's in the hobby, even a little bit, will have a personal collection of some sort. And then the people that are really into the hobby, like I said, will do a bit of everything. They'll flip cards. They'll uh, buy singles. They'll join group breaks. They'll go to card shows. So there's there's just um, 
a lot of options, but I, th- yeah. I think you're right. There's a lot of people that have gotten into just the, the monetary aspect of it. And they don't, they may not know a lot about sports. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are people who, you know, it's just like, uh, it, it is similar, I guess, to a stock market. I can't tell you what exactly every company is doing, the, what their exact mode is of how they make their money. But if, if an investor tells me that's something to invest in, I don't su- I suppose that uh, sports cards are all that different. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Giants facing the Reds in Cincinnati on Sunday, May 29th at 1130 a.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet or enter the free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. $25,000 sounds pretty good. I, unfortunately, am not eligible. Forrest, by all means, if you win the $25,000, I will contact you and let you know how you can split <laughs> that with me. So let's talk about kind of chases, because I think this is always a an interesting thing, because, you know, last year there were some people who were excited about Alec Bohm and Cabrian Hayes and those type of guys. It certainly wasn't a bad rookie class last year. It wasn't great. It ended up that a lot of guys struggled, so it kind of hurt that. Right. But this year started out pretty big with a, a certain guy who plays for the Tampa Bay Rays by the name of Shane Boss. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I love Shane Boss. <laughs> but it's Wander Franco. When you have a guy like Wander Franco, how much does that change um, how you see breaking and how you see people entering that chase? I think, first of all, I think it's good to have a chase. I think it's good to have chases. It kind of drives the hype. It um it just kind of it can carry a product for a while or, or a set of products with the chase. You'll see like, for, for instance, we we um, when Topps flagship came out, uh, flagship came out, we had to separate the Wander Franco cards from the Rays themselves, who are also a pretty decent team. Like you said, they for have sure. and, and, you know, uh, Vidal Burhan. Mm-hmm. So when, when there's a player where his singles are selling for such a. It's a, a, a leap over everything else. Right. Um, 
it do, it does make it interesting. Uh, so you just have a lot of a lot of people just looking for wander cards. It, it, it was pretty nuts, and I think it's interesting. We actually talked about this briefly uh, between the two of us. The the Bowman's best decision, and I'll, I'll ask you your personal thoughts on this <laughs> as well, if you don't mind. So Beckett came out with a decision that I thought was very interesting. They decided that they were going to treat. Bowman's Best, uh, which for those of you who are unfamiliar, is a set that comes out near the end of the year. In fact, I think this year it came out at literally the very end of the year, like at the very end of December. Right. But they made the decision that Wander Franco's card was going to be considered a rookie card, despite the fact that it doesn't have the RC on it. And for those unfamiliar with that, the RC is basically something that everybody's really looking for. It is that thing that says that it is his rookie card do you have any thoughts about that like you're um like i understand that at the end of the day it's going to be in the eye of the beholder but what do you think about a decision like that um i think most of us at Layton, we don't we didn't see that as a wander rookie card he hadn't had rookie cards at all the entire year right. um if if tops were to manufacture that as one of his rookie cards it would have seemed it would have seemed out of place um i think all along once you didn't see Wander and update and you kind of realize he is this larger than life baseball prospect that you understand he will have his rookie cards all throughout 2022, rather than just in some select products at the end right. of 2021. I tend to agree. Um, I will say that, you know, at the end of the day, again, I, I just said this, but it is up to the eye of the beholder. You know, right. if somebody views the card as the rookie card. And what I'll be curious to see is, is how tops response to this, whether or not they're going to put rookie card labels on things like this. And, you know, that's going to be a big difference because, you know, the aesthetics matter here. And the fact that Wander Franco's card, it's a beautiful card. Bowman's best has some of my absolute favorite cards. They look fantastic, but there is something about seeing that RC label. You know what I mean? Like there is something, there is something to be said about being declared that actual rookie card and kind of speaking of that rookie card um this set you know it had some good rookies like wander franco obviously being the big chase but guys like jaron duran and guys like josh lowe you know um shane boz vidal brujan a, a very solid rookie class but this tough scrum class forest has a chance to be something just kind of different where we are going to have guys <laughs> we assume are going to have guys like bobby witt jr and Spencer Torkelson and Julio Rodriguez. How could I forget my sweet, sweet Julio Rodriguez? Um, <laughs> sweet, sweet Julio, yep. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, too, that there are some guys who just got called up who probably won't be in Topps Chrome, but will be in either Topps Update or Topps 2023. Right. Like, just personally, Forrest, is this, like, the most exciting possible Topps Chrome rookie class that you can remember? With... With the exception of 2018, I would say sure. you had sure. Shohei Otani, Juan Soto, which at, at that guys. time, I think I think with where we're at now with that class, looking back, is a little different. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I've, I don't think we've seen the amount of hype that there is going into like a set of products that we're going to see with like the guys you just said. And then even I know you 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 alluded to it, but Adley Rutschman. Mm-hmm. Um, Gorman. Gorman. Yep. Yep. So you even alluded to those guys possibly being an update. So you would see them at some point this year, most likely. I don't think, and especially where, where the hobby has gone, 
in those last few years. 2018 rookie class is going to be really tough to top because those are all, but again, we're looking at hindsight here. Those are all proven superstars like Otani, Soto, Acuna, like I mentioned. Sure. So I think going into it, I think the mania is just going to continue, especially with baseball cards. It's absolutely. And it's wonderful to see because it is, you know, all due respect to those guys. Like Brian Hayes is someone I really like long-term and, you know, didn't have a great year. Alec Bohm is still somebody that I obviously like and has been so much better this year than he was in the previous season. Um, It's great to see, but it's so fun to see like a chase like this. And it's going to be one of those things where just speaking honestly with you, random team becomes a lot more interesting with me because it's not just Tampa Bay. It is Tampa Bay. It is Seattle. It is Detroit. It is uh, a bunch of teams that are now going to be interesting. So I'll be curious to see uh, how breakers react to that in terms of prices. Maybe random team in 2021 might be a 2022 might be a little more expensive than 2021. That's just the way it works. Uh, Let me ask you this. Wander Franco going to be the chase. He's he's the one one. He's still going to be the guy that everybody yeah. wants. Who do you think that second rookie is going to be that people are chasing? See, that's tough. If you want to talk about collecting, you have to yeah. look at collectability, which has unfortunately a lot to do with franchise. Right. Um, so Bobby Witt Jr. feels like that player, especially since he was in the 2020 Bowman class with Jason Dominguez. And those yes. two were seen as, you know, these titanic prospects at the time and mm-hmm. rightfully so, but he plays in Kansas city who is probably not going to contend for something this year. You've seen the Mariners struggle as late with uh, Julio Rodriguez, that the, the, <laughs> the Tigers are in the same boat with Spencer Torkelson sure. and, and sure. they haven't had the start that they, that they were looking for. It's tough. There's no marquee rookie on the Dodgers or the Yankees. Not so yet. no, no, that's a great point. I I will say that, and this is not just me being biased, I think Julio is number two, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why. One, I think he's the guy who's playing the best right now. Like, if you look at what he's done since May, it's just spectacular. And two, even though the Mariners haven't made the playoffs, like, they, that playoff streak can legally go buy a beer right now. This is still a <laughs> franchise, and I think you've seen it in your breaks. It's a pretty popular franchise. Like oh, there yeah. are people who are, you know, a lot of people who buy into the breaks and stuff like that are looking for that guy who's right behind me, that Griffey stuff. But, oh, yeah. you know, Ichiro is extremely popular. Felix Hernandez had a very big run as a pitcher being one of the more popular guys. Um, just kind of breaks my heart what happened at the end of Felix's career. But it was like, you know, a, a, a legitimate pitcher chase, which is not actually a thing. Actually, Forrest, that brings me to that. Pitchers, what is it about them, do you think, that just doesn't have the same sort of popularity as hitters? There's probably an obvious point here, but I kind of miss it. Pitchers don't score runs. Yeah. They don't hit the ball 450 feet. I, well, one of them does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One, one of them does, yeah. And, yeah. and he is incredibly popular in the, ho- yes. in the hobby and in real yeah. life. Sure. So, yeah, um, it's just, so it's just the case of the fact that people like the offensive player yeah, they, they don't they don't they don't play every day for the most part. They you know that they're not running a lot and making sure. these flashy defensive plays and but mostly uh, hitting home runs. <laughs> yes, I think it's I think it's that. And I will say the other thing too is there is a lot more volatility with a pitcher um, than there is with a hitter. Like the, unfortunately, because of the fact that we are not meant to have our arm go forward and go down. We, right. it is, it is just, it is something that we are always going to see 
more volatility and more injury risk with yep. uh, pitchers. I also compare it kind of to like for those of you who collect uh, football cards, like there are some amazing defensive players, but defensive players just do not have the same sort of value as an offensive player, especially a quarterback. You know, you kind right. of see, I think football is one of the most interesting ones. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, because there are literal tiers set by the position where there are quarterbacks and then would you say it's wide receiver second and running backs third, or would you go the other way? I would go wide receiver. Yeah. I think there's a little more longevity with the position for the, for the, for the most part, of course, but you yeah. see uh, really, really good running backs such as Todd Gurley. Yeah. Uh, they might only have a very short prime and unfortunately not be able to carry on just because of the, the nature of the position. So you see Jerry Rice, Calvin Johnson, right. You know. oh, Megatron. So fun. would love to go back in time <laughs> to, uh, get a rookie card of that guy. But yeah, I do think it, it is interesting that like for those of you who are getting into it, you may look and see someone like a Grayson Rodriguez, who is as a sure a thing to me as a pitching prospect and is not near going to have near the value of like the 15th or 20th best hitting prospect in the sport. It's just weird kind of how it works, but it is, I think something to keep in mind for people who are getting into it. Um, Forest protecting these cards is something that I think can be a little intimidating for folks. They take a look and see these nice cards and they want to make sure that they don't get oils on them. I think some, some of it is not scare tactic per se, but we may be just a little more nervous than we probably should be about these things. These are not built like the 1950s where you put them in your bicycle and uh, they make a pretty <laughs> noise or anything like that. These cards are actually it's incredible, like showing my grandma, like the difference between a card that you, I would get in 1992 and 2022, even the paper product is so much nicer. You can, you, just hold want, them your, sorry to, you can just hold yeah, it in your hand and you can feel the difference between vintage stock and the cards manufactured today. It's, uh, it's absolutely incredible. It's amazing. More of these things just haven't like disintegrated to be completely honest with you, <laughs> because they were not made necessarily with tender, loving care like they are now. But Forrest, like, talk about, like, the differences in protecting the cards in terms of, like, magnets and, uh, you know, like, what, what we call one touches compared to putting them in penny sleeves and stuff like that. Like, what are the necessities you think a collector needs for protecting their stuff? You'll need penny sleeves for sure. And then you'll need something yes. usually to put the, the penny sleeved card into, such as a rigid top loader or a semi-rigid um card saver or graded or um yeah card see a card saver i have that right i was like they missing something yeah. else yeah um so the penny sleeve is the first line of defense is to protect the surface mainly a little bit of the corners and edges i'd say but if you're going to store something for longer than a little bit amount of time you're going to want a plastic top loader um, and they come in different sizes. So we know there's thicker cards and thinner cards. That's another, that's another key is you want to have the right size of storage device. So you don't want something to be able to move around. So say it's a, a thicker right. card with a patch in it. You don't want to put it in something so big that it can move if you were to pick it up and maybe turn it around or put it in a bag mm -hmm. or something. And then, like you said, magnetics, those, those are pretty important too now, especially since they, um, I forget the brand ultra pro, I think not ultra pro. I think it's, I think it's pro mold. They do the penny sleeve that fits inside the mag. So that's another thing. People didn't yes. like to put yes. Chrome cards in magnetic holders because they're plastic. They're hard plastic magnetic holders for those of you that haven't seen them. And so 
if there's even a little bit of wiggle room, that card could theoretically move and you could have these micro scratches on the surface that you wouldn't be able to detect. So being able to put a penny sleeved card into a hard plastic magnetic holder pretty much protects it from just about anything other than dunking it in a tub of water. So, (laughs) Right. For those who are uh, curious, this is a super fractor that I just hit that has the ability. It's in the penny sleeve right here and also as being a hold. It's also just a way to break about the fact that I finally hit my first super fractor. It took a long, long time, but, uh, if anybody wanted to see, so this is a a card with a penny sleeve. It's already in the penny sleeve a bit. Nice. There it is right there. And then I have a top loader, hard plastic top loader, really thin. And it just fits right in there. And then, yeah, there you go. Perfect. You are so, I got to tell you, how much of that is repetition? Because I sometimes can struggle to get those cards inside of a um, top loader. Like, how much do you want to not struggle with the thing? You know what I mean? Like, do you have a tip for the best way to push or anything like that? It's probably a weirdish question, but I'll ask anyway. You never want to force it at all. You want to make sure that it has, like like I said, the perfect size is is really important. You don't want to put something in that, especially into something that's too small because then you're going to force it in and you're going to, you're going to damage something on the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But no, I, I, a lot of it is repetition, but a lot of it is just once you get the first corner in kind of just pinch it very slightly. And then sometimes it just falls in like that and then (laughs) just gently. And you also want to make sure that it's on the bottom of the top loader as far down as you can, I guess. But I, I think it's just a repetition thing. We, we, we do, we handle so many cards, as you know, that yeah. um, once you are at the top loader spot, assisting a breaker, yes. <laughs> you, t- you top load thousands of cards at night. So absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's very important. And also just one thing I will say too, is once you get the card in there, I know sometimes it can be real tempting to take the guy out and look at it and stuff like that. Leave it alone. It's yeah. fine. It's very pretty unless you need to, you know, take it out to for sale or something like that. And you want to take right. pictures of it. Cause most people want to see what the card looks like outside of something. Um, right. But you, you, like you said, you just want to limit the, yeah. uh, the handling of the card essentially as, as much as possible. Yep. And speaking of that kind of one real nice way to protect these cards is grading. And I think some of you might be familiar with the grading process. There is a bunch of systems that do it. Now the two most popular, of course, our PSA and Beckett. It used to be a thing that was affordable for everyone. It is now not, if I'm just being completely blunt, it is something that has become more expensive. You know, Forrest, I won't ask you like to say, how do you determine which card to to grade (laughs) completely? You know what I mean? Or even like say which one is better than others. Cause I think both have their benefits and both have their detractors. But I guess, like, just kind of talk through what the grading process looks like. So, uh, like you just said, there are PSA and Beckett are the, are the largest graders. They grade the most cards. They have the most populations. And they've been around. They've been reputable for the longest of period of time. Right. So, how most people go about grading cards are as, like, a mail-in submission. You will send your cards to the grading company, and they will grade them and return them to you in the... Uh, in a, I don't have any slabs near me, but they'll return it to you in a, uh, usually it's like a sonically sealed plastic, a hard plastic slab with like a label on it that says um, everything about the card and it'll give a grade. 
it'll have a number like, uh, I'm not sure what the number, but it has a number you can look up and you can find exactly what card it is. Sure. Um, you'll also, it also enters into that population. Uh, so you hear a lot of people when grading talk about pop count or population count. So you can check at how many of that specific card have that specific grade or how many of those cards have other grades. So you can see about where you, where your card stacks up and, you know, if you have a 10, maybe there's not so many 10s and it's, it makes it a little more valuable just based sure. on the population. You know, I, I haven't actually done the process myself of sending in the card. I have had a card graded for me. Another card Forrest pulled for me was a Jalen Hurts gold medal card, which was one of one. And now what auction houses are doing, and I did not realize this at the time, is they're slabbing everything. Every single thing that is going for a card is going to get graded by either PSA or Beckett. Unfortunately, I think that worked out against me um, because these thicker cards for us, you can kind of speak to it, are not easy to grade. They are, it's very difficult for the corners not to get dinged up or the centering sometimes will be off or they'll just be these little tiny scratches that are unavoidable because of just the fact that they are so much bigger than your standard card. Have you seen uh, a slight downtick in people's interest in getting cards graded because of the fact that right now i believe to get a card graded by psa is a hundred dollars so your card literally has to be worth more than a hundred dollars to you in order for it to actually make sense for the card to get graded do you think there is less interest in doing that right now i've noticed when i do auction stuff i don't see as many graded cards being for sale right now but maybe you can speak to a different experience so i think right now so the for, first of all, let me start with with the influx in new collectors and people wanting to grade cards. It used to be, like you said, very affordable to grade cards, right? Which created a very big backlog with those two companies mainly. Yes. Um, so some people have been waiting over a year for cards that they sent in at the height of the collecting. And that was because the grading was so affordable. You could send in um, base cards of, of certain rookies yes. and certain players and still be able to make money if they graded very well. Right. And so you see the prices have, haven't dropped down to that level. I'm not sure if they ever will again for PSA. Um, right. I, I don't follow it too, too much. I, it's below a hundred now. I think you might have to be a PSA member or something. I, I can't speak for PSA. I'm just, I know it's lower than that. If you have like a membership or something, it's like 50 a card. Um, but yeah, that said, it's, it's important for certain cards and I think it's making people be more selective, but I do not think that the interest has gone down. I just think the availability isn't quite there to the level that it probably needs to be for everybody to do it a little more frequently. One thing I forgot to mention earlier about grading is that it will also authenticate your card, which is yes. important for older cards. Yeah. Um, uh, there's just that the, the newer ones, I don't know the measures, but it's a lot harder to um, have fake newer cards or modern cards, I think. So, right. It's kind of like a driver's license, whereas the old ones were as easy as it all get out to replicate <laughs> that, to be completely honest with you, because it all it needed was a laminator and some uh, some paper, and you could do that. Whereas, you know, nowadays these licenses are so protective, these cards, I mean, there's, it's not like there's, I don't imagine that there is some sort of like UV code or anything like that, but you can, it's much easier to spot a fake card now 
than it is to right. be in the older days. And that's, but that is big. Like if you have a, you know, let's say you have like a 19, uh, if you had a Griffey, if you have the 89 upper deck Griffey card, lots and lots and lots of fakes out there. And the fact right. that they are going to be able to tell you if that card is real is a, a really big thing. Uh, Forrest, before we let you go, Everybody, you know, who's getting into this thing, if you could give advice to somebody who's just getting into this and wants to start doing the breaking process, what would that be? So speaking as someone that was introduced to cards literally through breaking, um, something I sort of fell into is to be patient, do your research and treat it as a hobby in a sense that don't bring money with you that you aren't okay with maybe not working out, especially if you're going to rip your own personal box or join breaks. Um, There's a little bit of risk involved in all of it, but watch breaks, go hang out in in, in chat rooms and get to a good community. There's the, there's lots of good breakers, including ourselves out there. For sure. Um, You just want to make sure that you are breaking with someone reputable, someone that, you know, has a certain amount of standards you know, not to say don't try smaller breakers, but just just be very, very careful at first. It's it takes a long time to know the breakers and know products and know what you're getting into. There's so many products nowadays for all types of budgets. So, right. It, and it, it's going to be overwhelming at first. You just have to take it slow and also start small. Don't jump into a flawless basketball break right away. You know, start start small and kind of understand the process and work your way up. Forrest, you were trying to get me into a flawless break last night. What are you talking about? No, I'm just kidding. That is absolutely not true. Um, Forrest, thank you so much for doing this. Um, tell people how they can, uh, if they are interested, to get into like a latent break, where they where they can go and whatnot. So latentsportscards.com, all one word, is the website. You can find us on YouTube at uh, Latent Sports Cards, the name of the channel, or also uh, twitch.tv slash Latent Sports Cards, all one word each time. But yeah, the, the website's the best place to go. It has links to to all the social media, including Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, but yeah, we're live at, at seven, seven days a week. Yep. So we're, you, you can go pretty much any evening and you'll you'll find us breaking. Absolutely. You can search uh, for a latent sports card. If you search for latent sports card, Christopher C, you will see some amazing cards that Forrest has pulled for me and the worst break of. Elite oh, I didn't delete those videos yet. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody. And thanks again to Forrest for joining us. Uh, stay tuned on Thursday. I'm going to have John Morosi on the show and we're going to talk about the state of baseball. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited. Not that. But I wasn't excited for Forrest, but uh, I'm very excited to have Mr. <laughs> I know my place. I know my place. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. You can follow Layton Sports Card at Layton Sports. That's L-A-Y-T-O-N. And you know how to spell sports. If you liked what you heard, please rate the show five stars and make sure you hit the subscribe button. Until next time, have a great day and we will see you guys soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.